Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We record, we're recording this on Thursday, January 26th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we're going to preview the whole FA Cup fourth round and find out whether people are into heavyweight clashes or David versus Goliath. But first, we will start with the great and powerful Arsenal versus Manchester City. Wow. So this game's a big deal. This is the first time both clubs are meeting each other this season. Very odd for this time of year. Very strange. But uh, because of the, queen, the, the, the death of the Queen and because of where both teams have been, we now have the first view of Arsenal versus Manchester City. This is a big game. Um, while it's the FA Cup and it's not the league, it will be a marker for both teams to see where they are. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, Pep Guardiola very concerned about where City are emotionally, mentally, whether they're up for the fight with Arsenal. And on Arsenal's side, they've come across every hurdle they can, renewing rivalries, beating all comers, beating Spurs, beating Manchester United. They are in the form of their lives. They are in the shape that they need to be to face um, their biggest test of the year. Now, let's get into it. City have defeated Arsenal very frequently, especially over the last six meetings. Um, City have won all of them. <laughs> Arsenal have not beat Manchester City since 2020 in the FA Cup semifinal. So Arsenal do have good pedigree in the FA Cup against City, but not in the league. But they haven't met each other for 18 whole months. Craziness. Craziness. Um, City come into this game very in very good shape. I think they've sort of righted the ship. Um, no injuries. City have everything to play for. Um, the Mares-Grealish partnership has been really good. Uh, De Bruyne is in good shape, especially after his last game. And then we'll see what lineups are put out for this game. I would imagine knowing Guardiola, knowing Arteta, he's going to want to see where his team is and not mess around. Um, we, maybe we'll see Trossard start. I'd expect to see Holland. This is one of those where we don't know what will happen. But for City, it's less of a change if City you know, play whatever their alternate lineup is. Oh, we're going to play Foden and Alvarez instead of um, instead of Holland and Grealish. Oh, we're going to play Bernardo Silva instead of and Gundogan instead of uh, instead of Kevin De Bruyne. So for City, they have the depth and that's that's the reason why team why they're always picked to win the league is their 1 through 15 or 1 through 18 is better than anyone's in the league, but we know with Arsenal, because we talked about it last week, they are grooved for their, their – they have seven players who haven't missed a game all year. Whether they will play and show their hand uh, is unknown. Unknown. Just a few facts here just that I can run off for you guys. 
City have actually won 12 of the last 13 meetings versus Arsenal, but this is a new Arsenal. So the new narrative is going to be written. Um, this is really about, you know, where these teams are. This is a mentality check. This is a, are they there for Arsenal? It's about not getting beat badly or not getting beat at all. Uh, actually, it's about the performance and how it works. Like, if City come on and have one of their games and blow Arsenal off the park, I very doubt that'll happen. Then there's a psychological blow. Then we have another narrative of, oh, is Arsenal ready? If City lose, then we get another Arsenal's ready for the title. Arsenal's ready for the title. They're on for the double. These are things that go on. I'm trying to think of all the all the narratives. If you if City win, they're supposed to win, and now they ha- they have a a leg to stand on for the league. And then if it's a close match, that City edge, but Arsenal play well and bloody City, then then there's less of a oh Arsenal's ready. Then these things are up up and in decent places. So every one of the outcomes has a little bit of um. Of a, of a step about where we want to go and how we want to see this and what is going to happen next. So from that perspective, it's really super duper interesting, and I wonder where Arsenal go and what City do. My prediction is City will win this game because they win every time at home. Um, I am afraid, of course, because I'm not naive. I'm not silly. I'm not dumb. I know the power of Arsenal. I know where they can go. But I think the FA Cup is really about small teams, about growing, about seeing friends that you don't see very often. And for us, that's really um, for us, that's really about talking about our friends from Wales, um, our friends from Wrexham to see what they are up to. Uh, so Wrexham, we know, are still in the cup, uh, owned by owned by Rob McElhinney. And Ryan Reynolds, they still are in this competition. They get another challenge after defeating Coventry. Right now, they are flying. I know from our group that um, that everyone loves Wrexham. They love the narrative. They've done a great job of putting this team on the map, of putting this team in a position for people to fall in love with them. We know about the city ground. Being sorry about the racetrack in Wrexham being one of the oldest international uh, stadiums in football. We know all the history from following along uh, on the show, and uh, it's fascinating to get this game. Wrexham are now box office. They've got to be televised. We've got to see them. Um, we've got to find out where they are and what they're up to and how they can play. Uh, we, we know we'll see Mullen up front. He's the star of the team. But all the other players are stars in their own right um, that that are making a, a go of it for themselves. Um, and we just want to see that story come through. Uh, Wrexham are on an incredible run. They have not lost since October. Uh, and they actually have won their last six games in a row. Uh, and like I said, they knocked out Coventry already. Sheffield. Also in incredible form. This is Sheffield United, the Blades. Last of our friend Chris Wilder, who had a great... They finished in ninth, uh, but they they had a tough second season where they couldn't really 
move on. And then Wilder left the team. There was a little bit of internal turmoil, but they still have their Premier League money. They still have the buys, and the core of that team is still on this team, and they are flying in the championship, eight points clear of the of the third-place finish. So they're going to come back up um, where they'll be okay. And like I said, they're both in incredible form. Um, but with this game being at the race course ground in Wrexham, we really have an opportunity for an upset. The bookies already have Wrexham as a as an upset for two to one. It's a good bet. Um, they've got a crest running for them. For Sheffield, I know they're in great shape, flying in the league right now. But do they need this game? Do they have extra gear? They have a lot of injuries. John Fleck, Enda Stevens, George Baldock, all out. Um, for for Sheffield United. I do have one player to keep an eye on, Endai. He's got 10 goals. He's been real Ilman Endai. He's up front for um, for Sheffield, and he's quite good. So this should be a good one. This is the Sunday late game that we'll all be pulling for, we'll all be rooting for. And uh, I think from the perspective of a fan, Wrexham has got so many American fans now that we all can't wait to see... Um, uh, the race course explode with joy and see if they can't get another round. A cup run for Wrexham is just pure magic uh, for them and their fans and where they're moving. Uh, I do want to uh, move on to some other games uh, because um, we have to talk about my friend, Mr. Jesse Marsh, uh, who takes his lead side to Accrington, Accrington Stanley. I'm literally bringing up names of teams because they're ridiculous. So Accrington Stanley just has one of the great <laughs> one of them great names in football. But what's interesting about this is they are going to present a problem <laughs> to Leeds. Um, they are gonna shit house this game up four four two two blocks of four. Just sit behind the ball and make Leeds break them down. And the issue for Leeds is. They can't break anyone down. They're all about transition and running through and attacking and barely getting the right decision, uh, barely making one or two passes together, but running and carrying the ball. Um, I don't. I think this is an upset. I don't think Leeds can pull it off, but worth a worth a look for our friends at Leeds and the great and powerful uh, Accrington Stanley. Uh, just because I need to say it, uh, Leeds can't buy a win. They are just completely drawing everything their last game uh they won was against cardiff in the fa cup but otherwise they're winless in their last five with lots and lots of draws they can't seem to stop drawing you know west ham they drew um newcastle they drew uh they had a draw versus brentford nil nil in their last match while Atkinson come into the game uh, winning in boring wood on the replay just just today just the other day uh, but they haven't had a win either. They beat Bristol Rovers uh, the other day, uh, moving into this game. I don't know much about Accrington Stanley, to be fair, but this is the magic. This is what makes the FA Cup so wonderful um, and, and where we want to go and what we want to check out. Next, I do want to bring up, uh, for because we have so many Liverpool supporters that we have to check in on, um, Liverpool. You've got uh, Brighton. How are you feeling about that? Good? 
Uh, Brighton, who I shared earlier, are the fourth in the league in scoring. Um, they're really flying in the Premier League. They've scored more goals than United. They've scored more goals than Liverpool. They've scored more goals than Newcastle. So this is a team in Brighton that Deserby, he somehow solved the problem of um, that was going on with... Um, with Brighton where they couldn't finish. And he has found a striker in young Evan Ferguson with Matomi next to him and Solly Marsh. They are now this attacking force with McAllister, Caicedo, and Gross behind them. I mean, this team's no fucking joke. Like, don't fuck with Brighton. They are better than Liverpool. I don't think this will be an upset. Like I said, I already bet on it in the league. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to bet on it again, but there's no reason to think Liverpool is going to win this game away from home. The only thing that I think about for Liverpool is perhaps they're too good to have seen Liverpool a third time. So this will be the third match that Liverpool have seen Brighton. They drew at home 3-3. That's the Trossard hat trick game. He's no longer with the side. He's joined He's joined Arsenal. But then they got the doors bowling off him two weeks ago. What makes us think that Liverpool won't get the doors blown off them. That's that's the question, right? Like, what has changed at Liverpool since they played Brighton that thinks they won't get beaten by Brighton again? Brighton are better. Um, mentality, this is a tough team. There's a lot going on with it. Maybe Klopp will play all the kids. But as far as I can tell, there's no reason. <laughs> there's no reason that that Brighton should lose this game, but a draw might be, you know, might be there. Uh, the prediction here from who scored is is 3-2. If this game is 3-2, it's going to be the greatest single three-game series against two teams that the world has ever seen. So I'm praying for it. They're a dark horse in this. I think Brighton, there's no reason that Brighton cannot win this thing. Uh, it's a fast, fantastic little match that we should check out. I do want to kick off into some Carabao Cup Highlights, just because uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to kick off into the Carabao Cup highlights because we've got our semifinal legs already done. We've got um, Newcastle up on Southampton and United up on Nottingham Forest. Both played their home legs and have gotten the teams moving the way they expect. So we we can expect, likely, that the final will be Newcastle versus Manchester United. And what a moment for both these clubs, specifically Newcastle, who haven't won a trophy since the 50s. United will feel like it's their birthright, will feel like they're better. Uh, no, you're not. You're not better than Newcastle. Um, all the underlying numbers say that's not true. Everything says that's not true. Uh, I would be surprised if this isn't a cagey semifinal. They still have a leg to go. I don't want to put my cart in front of the horse. Uh, again, Marcus Rashford just against against Forrest just went through them. It was a goal of pure beauty. Uh, we were talking about it in the chat. Um, is he the most likable United player for a non-United fan? <laughs> No, the answer is no. Fuck him. He's a red. Uh, United can go suck an egg, please. Uh, Nuke uh, Southampton 
don't really have a fight. They have to go up to St. James's Park to try and get something from uh, Newcastle down a goal. Newcastle don't give up goals at all. Uh, Nick Pope is on, I don't know, 11 clean sheets in goal. He's saving their ass. I wonder what we'd have looked like if he, uh, you know, been in United instead of De Gea. Listen, I'm not killing De Gea. I'm just saying Nick Pope is better. Um, and then um, our friends from Forest, their their journey ends, but they have bigger fish to fry to try and stay in the league versus worrying about whether they're going to make it <laughs> to the Carabao Cup final. Although the League Cup is something that they have history with. Uh, I think it's the last trophy that Brian Clough won when Leeds, when when Forest were still part of the league. So good history there, but not 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 the trophy they're looking for right now. I'd say I would Forest are all about staying in the league, and they have a very good shot at doing that. So very cool stuff. Couple of little uh, couple of little cultural things that um <laughs> that were brought up that that I looked into uh, around this. And it's um, just the FA Cup brings up weird stuff. So (sighs) Bristol City are in this thing against West Bromwich Albion. And you get like little tiny weird anecdotal stories. So I was listening to the Totally Football Show um, and they were talking about how Bristol City's fans have a website that is just a timer for the last time Bristol City um, scored a penalty. <laughs> uh, I believe they're on uh, f- over 400 days um, that that Bristol City has not had a penalty drawn against them. It's just the little things that fans do that that drive themselves nuts, uh, and they, they have a fair shot against West Brom. But you know, it's just one of these funny, funny little things, funny these little like anecdotes about uh, about football around stuff like that like Bristol City thinking they're hard done by not getting penalties by the way Liverpool have not had a penalty called for them this year either so it's a normal thing that happens you know on a big season a team will get four penalties called their way on a bad team on a bad season you know you might not get any City I think only have one or, or had had one last year and it's very weird and you feel like your team is under psychic attack for not um getting a uh <laughs> a penalty but the Bristol City fans have taken it a little bit further than you would expect on that one. Um yeah, I don't have a deep uh a deep feeling about this one but we should probably talk about our friends at Everton. So, we know that Dyche has been sacked. Um sorry, we know that Frank Lampard has been slacked. The sort of Diamocles Dyshecles has hit Everton. They have not hired a manager yet. They are not in the FA Cup. They are nowhere. And the club is right now rudderless. They cannot go to their friend Duncan Ferguson because he's taken the Forest Green Rovers job, which is the most the weirdest job for him because if you don't know this, look up Forest Green Rovers. They are owned by a uh, sustainability sort of entrepreneur and wealth and, and millionaire who is all about like the club is green they wear um the whole stadium is covered in in um in in solar panels and they wear you know sustainable clothing and bean burgers and no meat it's a very funky little club that uh (laughs) that duncan ferguson has taken the job over but um 
Everton, I don't. Th I think you should probably give a little bit of history. Everton are a massive, massive club. This is not some rinky-dinky club. I mean, in through the 80s, Everton had won the league. They were up there with, with Liverpool. It was not... Liverpool was gigantic. Through history of football, Everton and Liverpool were right next to each other. And it's only the 70s... It's only the 70s and 80s that really pull Liverpool away from the rest of the clubs. Uh, but through their history, they've been neck and neck. So, you know, through the 60s, Everton were right there. Um, they've never been relegated from the Premier League. And there's only a handful of teams that can say that, uh, especially over the last 20, 30 years. And they're looking at Bielsa, which I think is crazy. Uh, he's not a firefighter guy. Otherwise, why wouldn't he be stayed at Leeds? right? Everton's problems are defensive and spirit in some sense. Um, the other option is Deich, but it doesn't seem like Deich is a cultural fit for Everton right now. I think fundamentally, Everton fans want a team that reflects passion and caring and and something that will mark the club and, and move them forward. And, and I don't think they're going to get that with Deich. Whereas Bielsa does tap into emotion and does bring you to a different place. But you have to be all in on Bielsismo. Uh, otherwise, um, you're going to be in trouble. So I'm not sure what Everton does. But watch this space. They have had some terrible, terrible things happen. Uh, players want to leave. Onana wanted to leave. Didn't go to training. Um, uh uh, they had a transfer get stolen from them. So Dan Juma had made a commitment to Frank Lampard to come to Everton. And because they fired Frank Lampard, he reneged. Uh, I don't blame him. I don't think it's it's bad. He didn't sign the contract yet. But he did have a physical with Everton. And now he's going to be with Spurs. So Dan Juma, or not Dan Juma, who was really good helping Bournemouth go up two seasons, last two seasons ago, two seasons ago. And then they sold him and he went to Sevilla where he's been very good. If you watched him under Unai Emery, he made a huge difference in their Europa League run and championship. So Dan Juma is a really good player. I don't know how he fits into Spurs plans, but he's more depth. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Sonny gets moved off. He plays on that side that Sonny normally plays on. So we'll see. It's another attacking person. Maybe Conte will play him as a fucking, uh, as a as a wing back. Who knows? So we'll see what happens there. But Everton in trouble, not able to get any transfers over the line. It's going to be them against the world. And they already went to that well. Can they go to the well again? Can Bielsa bring the team forward? Can it happen for them again? I don't know. Uh, and I do worry for them a whole, whole lot but let's go through some more final fa cup uh fourth round games we'll start um with like i said here's the schedule I'll just go through the the timeline city arsenal that's tomorrow get involved warsaw versus leicester man leicester are freaking terrible warsaw just hanging in there just a champ uh, a league one side you'd expect leicester to handle it we're glad that james madison's back uh, then we have Accrington Stanley, also League One against Leeds, but at home, so that should be interesting. Then the salty Bristol City versus West Brom. That's a battle of championship clubs. West, watch Bristol City get a penalty. 
Luton Town versus Grimsby. Luton is the higher team there, so we'll see what happens there. Then Blackburn with their new manager play Birmingham City. Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, the Wednesday. Against Fleetwood Town. I love these teams. Please let all the small teams drop out so we get weird teams. Uh, Fulham v. Sunderland. Fulham at home against championship-level Sunderland, who have been playing better. They're the original Wrexham with uh, Sunderland Till I Die much sadder than the Wrexham show because they were on the way down versus on the way up. Uh, Ipswich Town versus Burnley. Vincent Company, you beautiful bald bastard, has Burnley playing well. Could he get further? He should He should feel favored against Ipswich Town. Not sure if he's going to rest his team. He does have a 13-point lead. And then Southampton play Blackpool after getting beat in the Carabao Cup. Blackpool has a new manager as well. And then Tottenham play Preston North End. You know, I have to say in my last episode, I sort of said um, Tottenham didn't have much to play for. I was wrong. Tottenham has the FA Cup to play for, the league to play for, especially fourth place, and the Champions League. I sort of felt like their season was petering out because of the way they had been losing games, but not so, not so. They're in decent shape and they can keep moving on. And then again, um, not Manchester City, but Manchester United have a, not a cakewalk. They could lose to Reading. Reading are a championship side uh, under uh, underperforming. They're sort of middle of the table. But United at home against Reading, you'd expect Ten Hag to push for them. And that's the late game on Saturday. And then on Sunday, like I said, Brighton-Liverpool is the early game. Then Stoke-Stevenage, our friends from Stoke. They used to be sexy, sexy Stoke under Mark Hughes. They've been uh, in the wilderness in the championship, staying there for a while. And then finally, rounding out the round, Wrexham versus Sheffield United for our viewing pleasure. Wow. Uh, I got notes, uh, by the way, during the podcast, I have to uh, mark this down, that uh, the stickers I sent, I was cheap. I was not cheap. I don't have a lot of stickers, and there were 20 people who sent us stickers. So I gave out as many as I could to a reasonable amount of people. I was not cheap, John and Finn. Uh, I just had what I had. Uh, If you want more stickers, send me your own goddamn letters, and we'll send them your way. So fans, if you don't know, in in our fan group chat, uh, I asked the people on WhatsApp to send me their addresses, and I sent them stickers for them to, to have, and about 10 to 15 people got stickers, and I sent two each to everyone, but uh, that's because I didn't have a lot of them. I only had like 25 stickers, so I sent what I had, and I have exactly nine stickers left, uh, but, uh, you know, just in case anyone writes. So, Finn, I don't care if you're fucking punk rock. S-A-D, suck it up. You get one goddamn sticker, all right? I don't care how many people are in your house. Do you listen to the show? No, so be quiet. Anyway, I'm going to end it on a negative note for Mr. Finn Santana. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Channel and presented exclusively by the Premier Streaming Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. We need you. We love you. And thank you.